This morning I will be reading Romans 8, verses 1 through 11. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit of life because of righteousness, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. For those of you uh, visiting with us, we're spending the next two months looking at Romans 8. Uh, we started last Sunday. Uh, we'll skip the Sunday when Travis comes to preach uh, the end of this month. Uh, <clears throat> but what in, the inspiration for this study was watching uh, this documentary on Netflix called 14 Peaks, uh, The Impossible is Possible. Um, and it's a story of these Nepali Sherpas, uh, particularly a guy named Pems, who is the leader, and they set out to do the impossible, which is to climb the 14 highest peaks in the world um, in a short period of time. And so as I watched that, and I was just being inspired by everything that was going on, I thought, and in some ways, when you think about the Bible, there are great mountain peaks in the Scripture. Um, and one of them is Romans 8. And so what would it look like to create the imagery of climbing Romans 8 together? Uh, God comes to meet us and help us so that we want to live a life much like you would in terms of climbing and ascending. He wants us to find in him the resources to want to prepare and study and train to go up, to hike up, to ascend with him to the very peak of Romans 8, which we're going to do at the end. But this idea of effort, God is not opposed to effort, but he is opposed to using effort to earn or merit his favor or goodness. He wants to do it out of the delight that Jesus has done that for us. 
And so one of the things that's true about followers of Jesus is they have great energy for him. They have great boldness for him. And they're willing to do great things for him. That God has created us to make a difference for the world and for him through Jesus. And so for those of you following Jesus today, uh, I want to encourage you, this word will really help us to want to ascend, to start the hike. Now, we're still in base camp, uh, but we're getting ready to go up. So let me uh, pray for us again as we start. Father, help us to have ears to hear this morning, to hear your voice in a way that we realize that you've come to help us to make a difference, uh, to make a difference through our relationship with you and with each other, to the praise of your glory. Amen. Martin Luther King uh, Jr., <clears throat> probably his most famous book is called Strength to Love. He dedicates the book to his parents because he talks in that dedication how his parents taught him how to love through the strength of Christ. Uh, Coretta King, after her husband had passed away, said this book more than any other. She says people want to talk to her about it. It's a series of sermons by him. You can buy it. You can see his amazing intellect. Uh, in that, in terms of his knowledge of a lot of people, a lot of different things, but you see his love for God and his love for Christ, but more important, you can see and discover um, his understanding of how much Christ loved him. It gave him strength to do amazing things, much like trying to climb 14 peaks. The things he did in his short lifetime are truly, truly amazing. So two ways to get into uh, Martin Luther King Jr. today or and tomorrow is if you haven't watched the movie Selma, uh, I think it came out in 2017 or 18, somewhere in there, Daniel Oyelo uh, plays Martin Luther King Jr. It is a great picture um, for many of us. Uh, you know, we all read a lot and we just want to watch something. I'm a visual learner, so that movie is a very inspiring movie about uh, the love that Martin Luther King experienced from Jesus to help him want to make a difference. But as you watch the movie, you'll see how difficult and hard it was for him and all those trying to make and address the injustices in our society. And one of my favorite scenes in the movie is that one of his really good friends, a woman, a gospel singer, I think it's Mahalia Jackson, I might have that wrong, but here's the scene is that when he couldn't sleep at night, he would call her in the middle of the night. And he would call her and say, I need you to sing to me. Now, if you watch the movie and listen to this scene, she starts to sing the hymns that we sing here. Uh, Martin Luther King and his oh, just being overwhelmed by all the problems and the needs needed to hear her sing so that he could remind himself of the love of Jesus and find strength to face the things that he was up against. Um, if you haven't read the letter from the Birmingham jail, that's a good way to get to know him and his heart. It still resonates true today, and that's a good way of remembering him. And uh, someday when we talk in heaven, uh, I'm going to tell him how much that letter and my reading it and rereading it has helped me to be concerned about justice for people of color uh, and to help people who live in structures and societies where they are oppressed. 
But the other uh, movie that I mentioned to you, which you could watch in his honor, is The Best of Enemies. Uh, because there's a scene in there where, as the African-American community in Durham, North Carolina, and the white community are trying to integrate their schools, they're meeting to try and figure out how to do it. And so in the meetings, um, the uh, African-American people, they go through these very intense conversations over the conflict, the racism, and at the end of the meeting, one of the people says, we need to stay and we need some gospel. <laughs> we need to sing. And so the African-American community would invite the Anglo community to stay with them and sing hymns and worship. Again, another powerful scene. And the guy who was, the white guy who was so opposed to integration, actually witnesses them staying after their conversations and having times of worship. Friends, if we're going to make a difference, we need to enter into the truths of Romans 8 and find in them the strength to love in a way that we can make a difference. Romans 8.1 starts off, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I wonder as we start today, where are you feeling condemnation or feeling hopeless? You're listening to other people's condemning voices, critical spirits, cynical hearts, and it feels hopeless. It feels like doom. It feels like despair. It feels hopeless. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The people who can make a difference like us are hearing not the voice of condemnation. Actually, let me read to you from or further down when we'll get further up the mountain. But in Romans 8, 31, uh, where Paul says in this chapter, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So as we listen to the gloom and doom and the condemning voices in our culture against all kinds of critical issues, um, the power, the strength to love is for you and I to figure out how does this message of no condemnation for us who put our trust in him make us want to make a difference? Well, when we study Romans, we know the key verse to Romans, Romans 1.5, Romans 16.26, Paul says, the reason that I am writing to you is to bring about the obedience of faith. The NIV translates it from faith, and that can kind of be misleading as something you generate from within. But the obedience of faith, and we learn this from Romans 10, if you want to know Jesus better, you already know him, but you want to know him better, you're going to need more faith. You're going to need to understand more of who he is. And how do you get that? Well, Paul in Romans 10 will say, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Hear Jesus speaking to you even this morning. If you want to get stronger in his love for you, the good shepherd is speaking. He is here and he is not silent. He is speaking to us. He wants us to hear 
his voice. And his primary way he wants for us to hear his voice is through his word. And so, men, I encourage you today, come on the Zoom call at four, and let's talk about how we can encourage each other through seeing Jesus in all the scripture so that our hearts might begin to burn. And remember the guys on the Emmaus Road? And there, Jesus walked alongside of them. They don't know who he is, but afterwards they say, didn't our hearts burn within us? Didn't we feel something that was like a fire, if you will? Now, those of you who know church history know that John Calvin, they started an order for men and women, but it was primarily for men, called the Order of the Burning Heart to have hearts that burn because we see the brilliance and the beauty of the gospel. But in Romans 1, 16 through 18, because the big theme in Romans is that God justifies the ungodly. He is able to say to those who don't deserve, cannot earn his favor, that there is one who has won the favor of God for us. And so the Apostle Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. Because in the gospel, the salvation is there. So let me read the verse here, verse 16 through 18. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. No condemnation is to begin to realize I have been accepted. You know, we long to be long, we long to be loved, but how do you respond when you step around people who accept you and want you to belong in their community, who want you to be in relationship with them? The power of the gospel is to create within us that I have been accepted. I've been accepted in a way that I've been given a new identity, a new status, a new reality. So if we're living in Rome, Paul's writing this letter around A.D. 57, we're living with a lot of fear and oppression, and we are condemned because we identify ourselves as Christians. We are oppressed and we suffer because we're saying that Caesar is not my Lord, but Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my salvation. Caesar is cannot save me from the things that I know I need to be saved from. So it's one thing to live with this truth for ourselves, but to realize all the things that oppress us, all the things in our culture that says you're a Christian, ha, you know, you're a follower of Jesus, bogus, you know, it's so bogus. You're just so, I mean, so, what's wrong with you? Why would you believe in Jesus? For the church in Rome, the most powerful city in the world at that time, God gave birth to a church. Paul had prayed for it, watched it grow. He's writing a letter to them. But when you live in the acceptance of your God, you're made strong to love. You have a real desire to love people the way God is loving you through accepting them as who they are. Now, like a lot of you, we've got a lot of extra time, so we're watching TV shows, and we're going back, and we're watching Downton Abbey, which we, when it came out, Masterpiece Theater, we sort of hit and miss. We didn't see them all in sequence. We're going back and watching them. 
But man, the other night, I, Valerie and I were watching this scene where, you know, the great stories of people who live, the wealthy people on the upper level, all the working class who uh, have great stories to tell are on the lower level. But there's a love story between Bates and Anna uh, in, the, in the show. And Anna has some terrible things happen to her, so much so that she pulls away from her husband and she's so ashamed. And she won't tell Bates what's happened to her. She won't be honest, but you can just see her shriveling up and collapsing over what she's been through and how she sees herself in light of that. And so you just, you're just waiting for when will Anna have the courage to tell him what's happened to her. Now, Bates is undone because they've had this great loving marriage and all of a sudden, boom, it's just, it's ice. It's like, it's terrible. It's winter. I mean, it's, it's just miserable. And you're watching this, them grow apart. Uh, but Bates finds out and he begins to piece together what's happened to her and he comes to say, I need, I, I know what happened to you. And I want to talk to you about it. And she is trembling. And, it's a, and she's a great actress. Her lips start trembling. Her body starts trembling. Because she, now she's going to have to be real about what happened to her, to her husband. And the way he loves her and says, I don't love you less. I love you more. I've accepted you. You're my wife. I love you. And the way he just wraps his arms around her, the way he talks to her, is the gospel. It's what... You and I feel when we feel embarrassed, ashamed, defeated, discouraged, hopeless, cynical, Jesus comes to us and says, I know who you are. I know what you've been through. And I want to love you out of it because I've accepted you. There is therefore now for you and me no condemnation. No one can condemn us because at the cross, Jesus defeated all our enemies, sin, death, and hell, and the devil, we have no enemies. The ultimate victory has been won. And when you live in the power of that, which is the message of the book of Romans, you're not somebody who's just shrinking, violent kind of person. You're more than a conqueror. You want to make a difference because of his love that creates within you this experience of acceptance. But in that is to begin to realize for me to appropriate that and experience, I have to learn how to live by the power of Christ's Spirit. He's given us a way to know and live out these truths that are so transformational that when the Holy Spirit again begins to apply this inside of us so that we know Jesus better, listen to what Paul says, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The Holy Spirit removes the shame and the guilt of our sin. He breaks the power of our canceled sin. And as we dwell with the presence of sin, he becomes even more real because he shows us how much we need the gospel. The Holy Spirit helps us see that we cannot make it on ourselves and that we are cursed, as Jeremiah says, when we put our hope in our own strength and our ability we, f we just miss out on so much. When I'm trying to make my life work on my terms, when I live it with the illusion that I can control the outcome of what's going on, when I'm foolish enough to think that I just need a little help from Jesus and then I'll make it work, I, I'm, you know, I, I, I mess it up. I mess it up and I fail miserably 
But God in his mercy keeps bringing me back. Like today in our adult class, we were talking about despair, the despair of our own goodness and righteousness to help us do what we want to do and make a difference. And again, it was just so convicting and comforting that Jesus looks at me and says, I'm going to help you. You don't have to be like this. You don't need to live under this cloud of misery and doom about who you are. I have come to set you free by teaching you how to despair of your own goodness, how to despair of your own ability and strength, and let me be your strength. Let me be the one you find as your strength and that my joy is your strength. Now, this is so counterintuitive, and it is hard to understand. Uh, But it is the power, and this is why we need help to appropriate it and experience it. I mean, I understand it intellectually, but emotionally, and from my heart and in my life, I just realize how much I still need Jesus today. And that's why our justification is our sanctification, because think about how you came to know Christ. How he became real to you. Well, in the same way he became real to you and that you came to know him, you have to constantly replicate that. It's kind of like doing the same dance over, but in a way you love that dance. It's an encore presentation of who God is for you that when we come honest, when we come clean, when we get real with God, he gets real with us with his grace and his love for us. And then out of that, wow, but the Holy Spirit comes to help us. You know, it's again, I, you know, it's just like, I feel like I'm kind of like the alcoholic who says, you know, I've got alcoholism licked. I don't have to worry about it. And then I stumble in the bar, and next thing I know, I'm drinking at the bar, and I'm drunk again, and I fall off the wagon, and then I've got to get sober again in, in the gospel. And here's a simple truth, but here's what Romans has promised us because the Spirit has come to help us, is that I think I can do this. Okay, here's great truths. Yeah, let me pray. Let me study. I understand it. Let me explain it to you. But I don't know the power of it. I've missed the power of it because the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, which is here, is here to raise me up and to change me and to help me and to make me different. Because what it says here, if you set your mind on, your fl- on the flesh, what we can do versus what the Holy Spirit can do, they're at odds with each other. And you can't compromise that. You can't dilute that. You can't say, I can do both. I can rely on what I know and bring what God says about me together in a way. Again, confident in my flesh, confident in what God to do. And that just, it won't sink. It won't come together. It won't work. But when I admit I need Jesus today more than I did when I believed in him. I need Jesus more today than when I accepted him. And what happened to me when I accepted him, I just said, Jesus, I need you to help me. That was my simple prayer in 1970 in Gainesville, Florida, where all the gators are. Um, You know, I just said, Jesus, I need you. And I need to constantly be restored to the joy of that, but to the power of it, to know that. And this is what Romans is inviting us. If I set my mind on me and myself and my ability, my kingdom come, my will be done, and I set it on Jesus and his kingdom and his will be done, the Holy Spirit takes over and leads me out of my craziness 
and my addictions and my fears and my failures and my shame. I am so free. And that's why in Romans 8, 2, it says, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free. <laughs> and so when we're free, we got so much confidence, humble confidence, not in ourselves, but in what Jesus can do. And then we began to understand the, just the beauty of not only our acceptance, our assurance, but also the authority with which we can live the Christian life. Um, one of the illustrations that Dr. Martin Lawrence, who was a preacher in England, a guy who was a doctor but fell called to the ministry, he said he would meet with people who were really struggling with their faith. They had all these doubts about God and about their life and their failures and their mistakes. And, and, uh, and so <clears throat> Martin Lloyd-Jones would ask him this question and he'd say, well, uh, I want to ask you a question. Are you a Christian? Because it says here that if the Spirit of Christ is in you, you have the power to do it. But if you're sitting there living a defeated life, if you're living a life that is not getting you where you want to go with your relationship with God. And invariably, he got the same answer from people who were sort of stuck in their misery of their failure. They would say this, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying so hard to live the life that God wants me to live. And then Martin Lloyd-Jones, much like Bates with Anna, would begin to say, hey, you're in a great place because I want to help you. Because it's not about trying, it's about trusting that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is a way to know the assurance, the acceptance, and now the authority to believe that what Christ did covers everything we need in a way that we shift out of living out of our own strength, our own ability, and begin to find our strength in Him and our joy in him, so that we will say with the Apostle Paul, I can do all things, all things, through Christ who strengthens me. There's nothing that we're up against that we're facing that Jesus doesn't want to make us strong to know his love. Um, a guy who came out of England, uh, just amazing story, named, man's name's William Carey, he said, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Now, one of the ways you can know that the truths that we read here in Romans 8, that the spirit that raised Christ from the dead is at work from you, is that you want to see God do great things at Christ the King. You want to see God do great things in your marriage. You want to see God do great things in your children or your grandchildren like for us then the way you do that is that you trust the truth, the power of the gospel to accomplish that. That Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But let me back and he said, I've said these things to you that you might have peace. And let me say to you this morning, if you do not have peace with God, Jesus is your answer. He wants to give you his peace because you are deeply troubled by your own failure, your own brokenness, you realize you can't earn or deserve what God has for you. But much like what I had to pray in 1970 and have to continue to pray is, Jesus, help me. Help me to know what he says next. In this world, you will have trouble, but I've overcome the world for you. So will by faith, by trusting, and stop trying, 
is to trust that when Christ says it is finished, he said it for you and for me so that we rest in him alone. We put our deadly doing down at his feet at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, help me. And then you will stand up together complete, as the old hymn says, and what he has done for us to make this love that makes us strong to do things that we would never do or even dream about doing because of what he's doing in us. Let us pray. Father, we're grateful this morning for the beauty and the power of Romans 8, and we pray that its truths will thrill us again and help us to get beyond ourselves and to begin to dream again of how you want us to make a difference. Well, we pray for the folks that are visiting today or watching online who need a relationship with you, Jesus. We pray now that you would uh, help us. Help us now to come again and rest and receive and rest in you alone as uh, the new members affirm today because of the fullness and the joy and the completeness of the gospel. Amen.